Hungry Trilobite Podcast would like to start by acknowledging these fine conventions. SoonerCon. Central Oklahoma's longest-running pop culture convention is back. SoonerCon 31 is scheduled for June 30th through July 2nd, 2023 in Norman, Oklahoma. It promises a weekend full of tabletop gaming, cosplay, and appreciation for literary sci-fi as well as TV and comics. Visit SoonerCon.com for more information. The Hellmouth Convention. The Hellmouth Convention is designed by fans for fans, with the aim of harnessing the power of fandom to raise money for charities. The Hellmouth Convention celebrates all fandoms, but particularly things like Buffy, Firefly, and Dr. Horrible. Like the Hellmouth itself, things gravitate toward it that you may not find anywhere else. The next event is scheduled for June 9th through 11th, 2023, in Los Angeles, California. Welcome to today's episode of the Hungry Trilobite Podcast. My name is Aaron Bossig, and I'm going to be your host. One of the things I love about science fiction, and one of the things I think most people like about science fiction movies and TV, is the music that goes along with it. If you ask somebody about the music behind their favorite science fiction movie, I bet you're going to get a smile, and I bet you that person is going to really, really talk about their favorite moment when that music really accentuated what was going on on the screen. I'm the kind of person that actually still buys physical CDs and listens to the music in long form on my stereo or in my car. So today I'm really excited to talk to a composer, Jeff Russo, who has been behind some of my favorite recent tracks. Jeff, let's get started. On tap today, I have Jeff Russo. How are you doing this afternoon, sir? I'm good, thanks. I'm glad to be here. Jeff, you are the composer on a lot of amazing scores but the ones that caught my eye were the ones from the newer star trek series discovery picard and so on i have been circulating the discovery cd for quite a few months now and i'm really loving it well i appreciate that i will say I, i i like to talk creativity i'm at a disadvantage when it comes to music because i I am not a musically inclined person. I consider it a form of sorcery. <laughs> um, sorcery, huh? Um, well, there's a, you know, again, I guess there is a little bit of uh, a little bit of magic that goes into making anything. So I understand what you mean. I am amazed at how I can listen to something like this and I'm hearing familiar familiar ideas familiar tunes and blended perfectly with stuff that completely takes me by surprise and still evokes just the right mood i mean i appreciate that you know i i um you know as as difficult as it may seem you know the this is something that you know i've enjoyed doing for a long time so it it, uh it definitely comes relatively naturally to me I'm glad for that. I've heard all sorts of stories about how difficult it can be to to put together just the right melody. And some people would say this exactly what you've said, that it comes very naturally. And I, I guess my question then is, what what's the difference between how do you find that moment where things just start flowing? Is there a almost a, a, a brainstorming process that comes into it? Or is it a more technical one. I mean, it's it's a little of both, I'd say. Um, you know, you 
you sort of sit and wait for the moment to hit. Um, and then if it doesn't, then you have to use all of the tools at your disposal to try to get there. Um, so, you know, th there's, th there's a certain amount of a mix of skill and art, right? So mm -hmm. you have to be able to put your skills to bear um, and let the art sort of guide you. Sometimes the art part of it doesn't really want to come, you know, that, that the muse is something that is fleeting, you know, so sometimes it's there and sometimes it's not. Um, and when it's not, the idea is to try to find a way to get there. Um, and that is usually through skill, the use of skill. Skill. And I'm guessing there are some exercises or techniques that you you found will at least get you going in the right direction. Yeah, I mean, you know, drink enough coffee and something will come out. Oh, hey, I'm on the right track then. Yeah. When you are trying to pull something like this, something that for me, music is a very emotional thing. And I'm, I'm sure that's not 100% of people would say that. How do you get very technical about something that's designed to invoke emotion? Is there a, a certain point at which you can say this needs to sound this way? I mean, you know, it, it, it isn't, it isn't using skill to evoke emotion. It's being being able to connect with the emotion of a scene, right? And that's a big that's a big um, a big part of it. Being able to connect with the actual narrative and the emotions of the characters is a, a very important part of you know what we do. Um, and I would say that's the that's the way that you are able to find the thing that can manipulate emotion. I feel like I'm going up to Jim Henson and asking how Kermit works. I realize these can be very basic questions for you, but it's easy to look at a script and and see where the story is going to go. It's easy to you know kind of guess where the actors are going to go or even how the visual effects are going to take it, but how much of the script do you have in front of you when you're just trying to look at the the, the music and the, and the mood? Is it usually uh, a full script? Is it? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't usually get partial scripts. You know, scripts are, um, you know, I get sent a script that's done. And I, that is usually what I have to go on when, when they haven't shot yet. Um, so that's, that's how that works. I mean, I get, I get sent a script early on. So I get an idea as to what the story is trying to say. Um, and once I've read the script, I, I start to you know, try to get inside the heads of the characters. And then that usually inspires me to write something. Really interesting, really interesting. And when you're looking at this, how much do you draw on the, ver the vast library of previous scores that have been in something like a Star Trek where you have you know decades of movies and TV shows with their own unique spin on the music? Well, I mean, you know, I, I only do that when, when it is necessary. Um, you know, and it, it, it can become necessary when I want to evoke a certain character or feeling from something previous. You know, I, I've done that a number of times in Trek where, you know, in, in the first season of Picard, for instance, when we first saw uh, the Romulan at the end, um, I, 
I evoked Fred Steiner's Romulan theme from um, the, the from the original series, um, and you know I use little things like that in order to really take the viewer on a, on a journey. Um, and some people hear it and some people don't. You know I try to do it in a subtle way, um, not too over the top or you know on the nose, but. Those things are very helpful in Trek where there is previous iconic thematic material. Um, and it's the easiest way for me to get from point A to point B um, when talking about or dealing with a character that is, you know, nostalgic in that way. My favorite note, and it's it's one that's been talked about a lot, but it just it works so well. Working in the the melody from the inner light on the flute into Picard, the actual moment where music itself does become part of the story. To not use that, I, I think would have been a miss. Well, I didn't use the music um, of the inner light, the piece, the inner light, um, which I didn't want to use. Um, I used the flute because in the inner light, Jean Luc learns to play the flute and that was an important part of that narrative and I thought it was an important thing to call back to. Um, what I did reference was a small moment of music where Picard's son is playing flute in that episode and there's this one like three note melody that I reference Mm -hmm. um, and that was the pe that is what people are misinterpreting as the 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 inner light theme, which it's not. Um, and uh, I find it to be pretty interesting because it's a very subliminal, um, it's a very subliminal uh, call out or callback to because it in the episode itself that piece of music flies by. It's like you know three seconds long um, or four seconds long maybe. And I only, I actually only referenced three notes of it, but a lot of people caught it and it was really, really great that people did. I, I was very, very happy that people did. Sure. And it's a great distinction that you're making there between the melody played and the actually calling it the inner light theme, which I realize it is not, and I shouldn't have said that. However, uh, I, I, we're both talking about the same thing here. Right. And it's... <laughs> Picard in particular, it's it's a great way of looking at it as the story of a, a man's full life and, and a coming full circle. Yeah. And there's a lot of, of sense of finality and you know, you know cosmic justice or cosmic injustice, depending on what your your point of view is. And I, I think it lends itself well to you know, being packaged as, as, you know, in that other story where he, he experienced somebody else's life in, in a very real, real way, he was given his own <laughs> little show to watch and, and, and he, he pulled that away from it. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, I, I know what you mean. I think that that was very indicative of how Jean-Luc was in his whole life. Mm -hmm. And you know, to have an entire episode devoted to his having lived an entire lifetime in a very short period of time um, uh, as a result of the, this, you know, that anomaly that the, um, the whatever that was, satellite, um, that brought him that was very indicative of his life. And I think that, you know, 
showing that in, you know, connecting that to his life now was sort of an important thing for me to do. You seem to really enjoy doing your homework to put these themes together. I will say that there's a uh, an excitement in your voice as to how you connected all this. That I'm I, I feel very very just strong genuine connection there. I mean, yeah, you know, I'm a big fan. I started out as a big fan. Next Generation was what I grew up on, and um, so it was really important to me to treat the narrative and this character with you know, the utmost musical respect um, and, and trying to connect the dots between what had come before and what was coming after. You know, one of the things I really worked diligently on was to be able to connect but not stay implanted in the past. Um, and yet, as I'm pushing forward in this music, musical idea, to make sure that proper homage was paid to what had come before. Um, you know, I, I think that generally speaking, Captain Picard really lived his life in that same way, you know, forging forward, but always paying very close attention and paying homage to what came before him. That's an amazing way to put it, for sure. So if we look a little more at, at what came before for you, maybe stepping away from Star Trek as a whole, are there certain works that were just really formative and, and pushing forward your desire to get into this kind of field? I mean, no, I would say I never even imagined myself as a film television composer. Um, I, I, you know, was in a rock band my whole life until about, I mean, I'm still in a rock band, but, you know, my entire career was based around being an artist um, from when I was a teenager. Um, and the band I started in the early 90s was my entire career all the way through until about 2009, 2009, yeah. And then about 2009, we made our last record that we made um, and I started working in, film, in television anyway. Um, and in doing so, um, uh, in doing so, you know, I, I never really, I never really had a thought before that in doing it. I've always loved film music, um, but it never occurred to me that I could do it. Um, and when I had a chance to do it, it really, the bug really bit me hard. So I, I can see that. And right now there's probably somebody listening to this who really feels like this is their calling in life to get into film music or TV music or, or just uh, composition in general and might be feeling really discouraged. Is there something that you'd want to advise them to do or not do to put them off to the next level? No, I mean, there's, you know, there's no answer to that question. I, I've been, I get asked that question a lot um, and there isn't really an answer to that. You know, I think that the key to being able to do this job well is empathy. And I, I kind of think that empathy might be the key to life in general. Um, but, you know, the ability to do the job of putting music to stories is really you, you, more important than being able to write really great music is the ability to connect to the characters and to the story. 
um, because you can't help tell a story or you can't really tell a story unless you're truly connected to the to the story itself or to the characters. Um, but in terms of like trying to figure out how to do it, like if that's your lifelong dream, you know, I, I, I can't, there isn't an answer to that question. There's so many variables that go into um, getting into a career in the arts. You know, it's doing the right thing, being in the right place at the right time, having the right music, meeting the right people. Um, you know, there, there's a lot of luck involved, which is, you know, an unfortunate part of art. You know, I, I think that the most important thing when thinking about doing art as a living, you know, when you merge art and commerce, is that you, if you want to be true, then be true and stay, you know, stay true to yourself. Don't try to do something just because you think it's the thing that's in vogue. Um, or the thing that people want to hear, you know, just do your thing. And those, I think, are the, you know, the people who have the most success um, are definitely the, you know, people who, who look at it that way, you know, people who forge ahead. That comes back to your sense of empathy and that when you connect with those characters, you're the only person who can connect with them in the way you connect with them. It's, it's always going to be an individual reaction and you, you can't duplicate that. And to try isn't sincere. Well, that's right. And that's, that's why every composer is different and why hiring me or hiring another person for the same project, you end up with very, very, very different feeling project, not just music, but everything feels different because as you, as you put different people in the same position, um, you you change you change the course of of the narrative itself it's like i can listen to your your score and a lot some of the motifs might be similar to stuff done by jerry goldsmith jay chataway and yet the actual effect on me in the end is extremely different the the actual uh, you know, the way I relate to it, the, the reason I even put that CD on, because I actually still use CDs, I'm weird like that, um, is because I, I'm getting something specific to what you're intending. Yep, that's very true. And I, I at first thought that was just because it's a different show, it's a different story, it's, it's a different phase in my life, but it's, honestly, it is, it, it's in the baked music itself. Yeah, I would agree with that. I want to thank you so much for doing this and I really appreciate this chat because I've gotten a whole lot out of it and I feel like I've grown to appreciate your work a lot more. Where can people follow you on the internet and follow your adventures? Um, you know, uh, they can see stuff on Twitter, Jefferson Russo. Um, I'm, I'm on Instagram. I have a website, jeffrusso.com. Like, you know, it's all over the place. There's, stuff everywhere about it. I, I'm not really great with keeping things updated, but I try to do as good of a job as I can. I'm going to make sure all that gets put on the show notes on my website, aaronbossig.com. Jeff, I want to thank you so much for doing this and you're welcome to come on back anytime. Oh, I appreciate it, man. I really appreciate talking to you.
I would like to thank Jeff for being my guest today, and I would like to thank you for listening. One of the things that Hungry Trilobite is about is in showcasing the talent that exists within the science fiction community. And that could mean somebody like Jeff, who has been an established industry name for decades, has practiced his craft, and is a genuine success story. Or it could also mean somebody like the winners of the Sci-Fi Coffee Company's writing contest, who are just now getting their foot in the door and showing what they have to offer to the world. If you like seeing that, if you want to support people right as they're getting out of the gate, and you're on Twitter, why not follow the Sci-Fi Coffee Company and check their latest feed. They actually have been showcasing a lot of really promising new works in that feed, and that's a boon to the literary community. People like myself who are science fiction writers know that that's a great way to get started and, and show what you have to offer. In the meantime, if you'd like to go to their website, sci-fi-coffee.com, you can get 10% off your order by using the coupon code HUNGRY, as in Hungry Trilobite. Don't forget you can subscribe to this show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spotify, YouTube. Thanks so much, and we'll see you next time.